Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8.com. Is important because uh, a lot of users think using something uh, you know as simple as a VPN or going into an incognito mode or private browsing mode within uh, their their browsers is enough to protect them. But these these types of methods are are not foolproof. Welcome to Needlestack, the podcast for professional online research. I'm your host, Matt Ashburn, a former CISO turned online researcher. And I'm Jeff Phillips, tech industry veteran and still curious to a fault. Uh, today, we're back to remind you of the importance of the digital fingerprint and what you as a practitioner uh, really should make sure you're aware of as you kick off 2023. That's right, Jeff. You know, last year we covered the importance of understanding your digital fingerprint. And just to remind listeners that may not have tuned in last time, or for those that may be tuned in, but maybe don't recall, your digital fingerprint is actually made up of identifying attributes uh, that are very unique to you. And over time, you add these attributes up, they become even more unique to you. So things like the device that you're on, the device type, uh, the language, the operating system, and so on. Also things like your physical location, or maybe the location where you appear to be based on your IP address. Also the user behavior, how you perform research. Are there certain patterns to the way in which you type things? Are there certain websites that you visit in a particular order? Those are unique attributes that are uh, attributable back to you as a person. And again, as you add these things up, these attributes together become especially unique. You know, if you're interested in seeing how unique your, your fingerprint is or how your fingerprint appears to the outside world, there's a great website that, that I always refer people to for this. It's actually run by a team of academics uh, and the website is amiunique.org. They've done an extensive research uh, on browser fingerprinting and other types of fingerprinting that are available. So definitely go and check that out. It's, it's worth a look, amiunique.org. Right. And if, again, pointing back uh, to that past episode, reminder, the digital, you know, your online digital fingerprint um, does have value and it's it can be a positive element to all of us as consumers uh, in, in terms of being able to have your browsing experience from web on websites customized um, and to provide information to websites. Uh, the downside starts to come into effect when you look at all this information that's being collected, that's going to be sold to different uh, to different advertisers. But when you get into actually conducting online research or conducting OSINT, um, it can really impact an investigation, right? Is it? And this information could be used by a criminal and tip them off that you're investigating them. Um, it could allow your adversaries to, to target you directly or target your organization. Um, that might be a target in terms of 
blocking you from getting access to their site all the way to, you know, taking some sort of retribution cybersecurity wise against your organization. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's the importance of understanding your fingerprint and learning how to, to manage it, uh, manage that attribution as you perform online research. Uh, if your fingerprint stands out or if you make a mistake while we're doing research and you start to stand out to the targets of your research, any number of things can happen. Uh, they may block you altogether or go into hiding. Uh, they may, may prematurely become aware that they're under investigation or under research or under some kind of scrutiny. They could also target you with disinformation. If they know that you're reviewing their online content, for example, they may want to place false information out there for you to then retrieve and use in your investigation. And of course, cybersecurity ramifications as well, target you with malware, et cetera, track you and all of those things that, uh, all of those other risks that come with doing online research. And I think, Matt, understanding how your online activity uh, can be tracked is, is step one, right, to improving your tradecraft. There's, we're going to get into tools and, and ways you might look to uh, improve your tradecraft from a technology perspective, but just having that basic understanding of how sites work, how information is collected, um, different things that can be shared from your machine is important is important because uh, a lot of users think using something, uh, you know, as simple as a VPN or going into an incognito mode or private browsing mode within uh, their their browsers is enough to protect them. But these these types of methods are, are not foolproof and um, they're not going to give you the level of anonymity and control that you're really going to be looking for if you're conducting sensitive online research. That's exactly right. And it's important for researchers to know whether you're an amateur researcher or somebody working for uh, for the government or a law enforcement agency, it's good to know that private browsing and VPNs uh, don't necessarily stop you from, from uh, compromising your research, right? Uh, private browsing uh, doesn't prevent the data from being passed. It doesn't prevent fingerprinting. Uh, it's just essentially a, a disposable session, but to, to a limit, right? There are some limitations with that that aren't foolproof. And then from a VPN perspective, lots of cheap ones out there. They sound like a good value, but as they say, you get what you pay for. And uh, that, that anonymity or that veil of anonymity can be compromised by the user behavior uh, or by, by cybersecurity uh, uh, risks there, right? So think malware and things like that. You know, another one um, we often forget about is as public Wi-Fi has become you know, so ubiquitous um, and it's actually often used by people that want to conduct research uh, as a way to be anonymous, right? So let's get off our own organization's network, not get off my home network uh, and go to a, a coffee shop or wherever you can get access to public Wi-Fi and consider that a tool um, uh, th that'll help me. Um, to not be identified, but that's going to come with a lot of security risks itself, right? Whether again, you mentioned malware or can someone be sniffing on the line? Um, so, and some of these attempts to obfuscate will also look really suspicious to webmasters. Yeah, that's right. And another thing to consider is working remotely, uh, especially these days with almost everyone working remotely, at least in some fashion, it's especially important that if you're doing online research from a personal device or from your own personal internet connection from your house, uh, that you maintain uh, some kind of management of your attribution. And so things like making sure you're using an isolated browsing environment, some kind of cloud-based browser, for example, along with an egress uh, that is some kind of internet point of presence that is typical for the targets that you're investigating. So if you're investigating, I don't know, a target, let's say in Europe, uh, then you probably want to come out of uh, a European region uh, point of presence as an example. 
and then also some way to customize the browser fingerprint so you can kind of blend in with the locals a bit better. You can look to pull tools together, try to build that on your own, uh, kind of a do-it-yourself approach, um, you know, but to let people know, a lot of this can be achieved, and especially if you're not as technical, um, with a managed attribution as a service offering. So where, you know, can I use my same computer that I use every day, but I'm going through a, a cloud-based service um, that will keep everything isolated away from my machine, that'll allow me to uh, have easy click and point and click access to customize and cloak my my appearance, right? Whether that's again, my physical location um, and where it looks like uh, um, I reside um, or uh, getting access to, to various tools that will allow me to be more efficient. So, you know, there's building it myself. There's also services out there. Um, and if, you know, if you're not as technical, you might want to look into a managed attribution service. Uh, Cause again, the last thing we want to do, your, your main job is investigating or researching uh, online. And the last thing you want to do is tip off a target or be blocked from wherever you need to go. That's right. And above all else, you don't want to put yourself at risk or your family at risk by conducting research in a, in a way that could compromise your, your identity. Uh, so we've talked about a number of things here, very high, high level wave tops on, on managed attribution and the fingerprint and why it's important to online research to be able to manage that. And I, I think we just want to wrap up here the, the first episode of this season, at least uh, with what I would call the three what's, you know, and uh, in this case, the first what would be, what do you need? You know, as a researcher, uh, do you desire some kind of isolation from the content that is some kind of uh, like a pair of rubber gloves, you think, of, of trusting or touching that untrusted content. So uh, you may desire isolation from the content that you're browsing from a cybersecurity perspective. You may also uh, desire anonymity or confidentiality, uh, some way to manage your attribution and appear to be from a location or a browser or a device that you're not actually on uh, as you're performing the research. Uh, both those may be desirable, but it depends on your use case. The second, what would be, um, if, if you choose a provider for this, some kind of uh, service, whether cloud browsing or managed attribution or some combination of these, what are the security practices of that particular provider? Uh, understand their reputation, understand the security practices that, that they have. Uh, are they SOC 2 compliant, for example, or, or do they have uh, a good, strong reputation within the research community? Uh, do they have obfuscated procurement, for example? It really does no one any favors if you, for example, use a, a cheap VPN service, but uh, you know they're, they're procuring their infrastructure in a way that is uh, attributable to their company. Uh, that obviously is not very helpful and in fact can be very damaging to your, your uh, research. The third what in my list of three what's would be, what level of service are you truly getting? Uh, and that goes back again to what are the processes and what are the procedures? What is the reputation? Uh, just keep in mind that you get what you pay for. Uh, mm -hmm. Cheapest is not always the best. Uh, I, I've used many different services uh, throughout my years of doing online research. And uh, I, I would say uh, that one always seems to hold true. You get what you pay for. So keep those things in mind. Thanks to everyone in the audience today for, for joining in for our first episode here of this season. Uh, if you liked what you heard, you can always subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch our episodes on YouTube and view transcripts and other episode info on our website at authenticate.com slash needlestack. That's authentic with the number 8.com slash needlestack. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at needlestackpod. 
We'll be back next week with more tips for OSINT practitioners. That's open source intelligence practitioners. We'll see you then. Thank you.